you think that you've like found something about your the way that you are. You haven't found anything about the way that you are. What you've discovered is programming that you put into play before you were conscious of even putting program into play. Yeah. And then you're saying like, this is who I am. No, it's not. That's programming you're running. That's not who you are. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop So as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination. You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. All right, cool. So welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, Thank you for those of you who are joining us. Um, Wanted to give you a little topic today to discuss because it just seems to come up a lot in our coaching recently. I've noticed in general, I mean, I think part of my noticing is whether this is a biological phenomenon or I I can't even tell anymore, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Like, you know, I live in an environment in San Diego. Right now, I'm actually in New York. Elon and I are are actually in the same house, but it gets a little echoey and confusing where we're in the same room. So um, I've been out here in New York and uh, but my home's in San Diego. I'm just getting ready for about, um, this is the beginning of two months of travel for me this last week. So... What I noticed in San Diego is there's just like a, an openness to an openness and acceptance to conversation. Uh, things borderlining on the weird, uh, supernatural, not borderlining, things that step way over on supernatural and, and the weird. And the weird more, I only say weird because it's not like standardized conversation that you would find everywhere. I mean, I, I truly feel like I have like witches, wizards and like all these, you know, saintly people around me, shamans and et cetera. So it's a lot of like energy workers and just people who are really tapped into like spirituality in a lot of different and unique ways. 
And because of that, because those conversations are widely available, I, I do notice uh, how much people are going through the same stuff at the same time. Yeah, uh, I notice that with our students too. Like what we're going through is what our students are going through, what our students are going through, we're going through. And there might be a totally reasonable explanation for all that. Because the, the explanation, the reason might be whatever I see within is what I see without. And it could be seriously as simple as that. Um, looking at a more of a macro level, I would say that there is an energy available on the planet at all times. We're all vibrational frequencies. We're all tapping into the vibrational frequency that's available, which brings on a certain experiences. And of course, like uh, astronomy and all these different things would point to that human design gene keys. Like there's more divinity than we could ever freaking imagine about everything that's happening. Any book on, um, on souls and regression therapy and all that stuff. Like everything points to, you know, that everything is hunky dory just as it's, just as it is. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things I notice happening for a lot of people, and this is something we can talk about and obviously chime in, bro, is like uh, our environment, right? Cause like we live seemingly, at least in the way we can perceive it, is that there is this external environment that we're dealing with all the time. Most of us are trying to control it, become fearless, manipulate it somehow, you know, bend it to our will. Um, we train everybody around us to act a specific way from the moment we meet them. And then we're in an argument with how it is that they show up. So, you know, for example, like, um, I mean, Elon on the street, we start shaking hands. And what humans do is we we ask each other questions, right? And what these questions ultimately elicit is a response or some kind of story that we tell to each other. And we all know this, right? Like the tribes leaders of the past were the great storytellers, right? People who can transmit information to the community at large. We're kind of seeing a resurgence of that now with the online world and, you know, education going through a big revolution. But notice how even on the micro scale, what we do is we tell stories and that that's how we upload and download information to one another. Because even if I'm telling you a story about what I did last weekend, there's all these little hidden subconscious gems in there that your brain picks up on like, oh, he doesn't like that. Oh, he likes that. Okay, we can't say that. Okay, we can't do this. Oh, that's a sense of humor. That's not his sense of humor, right? So we are at the point of responsibility of how it is that we train every single person in our life. Now, the funny part is, is after we train them, then we start being in an argument with how they're perceiving us because that's not how we want to be perceived. And this is one of the tricks your identity uses to hide itself from your view because you think now people are doing something to you, even though literally you coach them to do that to you so that you can get your identity activation. So this is really, really interesting because it's like, how do we stop that patterning? And it's not necessarily stopping, but how do we become more aware of the pattern? Let's say that. I don't think any pattern really necessarily stops forever. So if we're looking at how do we get some awareness and guidance when that's going on, I think it really comes back down to a core obvious lesson, which comes down to self-love, right? Because we can only be upset with our environment given that there's something that we're trying to extract from the environment because we don't yet feel complete about that thing. And then that creates upset. So it's like most of us are trying to extract uh, acknowledgement and love and all these different kinds of things from our relationships all the time. And it's like, imagine if you really had self-love, like you would never have to go create an external circumstance in order to validate some part of yourself. You'd just be like, that's already validated. It's self-validated, right? So the question is, is like, how do we get into self-validation? How do we get into self-love? Because it seems really simple on paper, and yeah, then so many people struggle with it. So how would you frame that? How would you define that? What would you tell people as the access point to something like that? 
So before I say that, just one thing that I want to throw in there is this, that I think this is something that one needs to understand is such old programming. This is something that, you know, when you were a child, whether you got it from your parents or your teacher or your grandparents or something like that has really programmed the way that you feel love, feel support, feel accepted, feel belonging. And you've programmed that that's how you receive it. Now, if you think that feeling acceptance and feeling belonging and all that stuff is really a chemical reaction in the body, right? It's, it's a feeling of like, oh, I'm part of something. I'm okay here. They accept me. Where a lot of the times we don't, right? Think about, you know, maybe you, you started a new job, you moved to a new city, um, you started a new school, a class, whatever. It's amazing to just sit back and watch what is actually occurring. And I, I would say that the first thing to do is just to realize that it's a machine running a script. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's not that you're weird. It's not that you overanalyze. It's just, that's the program. And whenever you're putting in a new situation with a bunch of new people, whatever your program around that is, that's what runs the show. And so what happens is as you continue to do this work and you realize that you don't need anyone to validate you, whether by saying hi to you or smile to you or told you that you did a good job, when you can start giving all that stuff up, which is you start creating that internally. You know, one of the things that I've learned to do with my kids, and I think a lot of parents do this is, you know, your, your kid will be like, I love you. And you're like, I love you more. And then they go, I love you more. And then you just keep going like, I love you. And I, you know, more and more and more. Well, something that I learned recently is, you know, the thing that you want to train your kids, just like you want to do yourself, is that they love themselves first and foremost, more than anything else. And not in like a cocky ego, I'm better than anyone way, in the I truly love myself way. When you, uh, we just talked about this on the podcast, like when you squeeze an orange, the only thing that's going to come out of that orange is orange juice. You can't squeeze an orange no matter what tool you use or how you slice it or whatever. You're not getting pineapple juice, right? It's still orange juice. And so when someone squeezes you, whatever comes out of you has to be inside of you. And so normally when people get squeezed, come what comes out? Frustration, anger, unhappiness, annoyance right? All that kind of stuff. Well, the more you're filled with love, then as people squeeze or prod or push your buttons, guess what? The only thing that can come out is what's already in there, which is love. And I think the first place to look is just being aware that you, that this program inside of you seeks this stuff out. So next time you walk into a big room, Don't make what you're hearing in your head or feeling in your body wrong, right? Because that's just going to get you more of it. What if you actually just sat there and witnessed it? Like I've started calling the voice in my head, the narrator, like a narrator in a movie. 
You walk in, guess what? You can't turn it off. It just narrates. It makes up stories about that person or what this couple saying to each other. You know, they're on a first date. They look like they hate each other. That woman's mad at that. Like, it's unbelievable the amount of information this thing can spit out, right? Uh, you know, oh my God, you didn't put on deodorant. Like, you're freaking out about all that stuff. If you just start to notice it, you can kind of start to separate from it and be like, wow, that narrator is nonstop. And that narrator is who's going to be like, you know, so that person didn't even come and say hi to you. Like they definitely don't like you or whatever it is. And what we do is we buy into it. And the truth is like, if you start stop and just go, okay, why do I really care if that person didn't come and say hi to me? Like what's, What's happening inside of me that I need that person to come and say hi to me so that I can feel whole or accepted or belonging? What if I just created that I belong without anybody having to do anything for me to belong? That would change everything. Mm-hmm. And I would just offer like, you know, that in those situations, there's like, okay, they're not coming over. So there's some kind of bodily response, right? The hypothalamus is going into full effect. You're getting your little com- uh, chemical cocktail right now. The front brain kicks in logic, but the body is having these sensations. And and mostly what I notice is that our clients, students, people in general, me included, these are like sensations in the body that we are so not adept at A, being aware of. And two, um, we make them wrong. So we shut them down. It's like every little boy and every little girl has been told, don't cry. You know, don't feel that. Don't experience this. After a lifetime of that kind of stuff, there's a lot of stuff going on in our bodies that when it comes up, we go, oh, not supposed to experience that. Oh, not supposed to experience that. Men, for example, are mostly programmed around happiness or anger. That's it. Like this, These are like the domains we get to play in, right? Now that's programming. That's not biological. That's not evolutionary. That's nothing like that. It's just a societal conversation. Boys don't cry. Okay, great. I don't cry. And... Talk to most men. It's a a difficult thing to get to like pop some tears out, right? So it's just about going back into that programming and starting to notice these sensations in the body without any of the judgment that comes up around them normally and just going inside and be like, okay, there is something going on in my heart right now. It feels kind of hollow or it feels kind of warm or liquidy. However it is you describe it, that doesn't matter. It's your ability to observe it without any judgment at it that allows it to start getting some freedom. There is no aspect of yourself that you've experienced that is going to stop being there, right? You're not going to overcome fear. You are not going to overcome sadness. You are not going to overcome anger. Like there's not going to be a point in your life where you're just like, no more anger. That's awesome. Cleared okay. that one. It's, it's just going to come back around it in new ways. And like how, however many layers you go down that, of course you can, you can get to a point where you're finding yourself just more at ease, but the ease comes from acceptance of everything. Not because you figured out some like back door of like, oh, that's how we like circumvent anger. It's like, oh, I'm noticing anger. And you have the ability then you're so heightened aware around anger that you get to choose in or not. Most of us are just playing into one paradigm. We've placated so long in a certain area of our life. It becomes the way life is. It becomes the way reality is. It becomes the way people are interacting with that thing. And we forget that we're these like unmolded pieces of clay that get to really show up however it is that we choose in a quantum infinite 
physics and universal spiritual kind of way, everything is truly available to you all the time. So why is it that most of us are choosing one paradigm, one archetype, one reality? Why aren't we playing with these things where there's so much evidence to provide that we literally get like manifest and mold this reality however we see fit based on our internal compass? And it's most of us not wanting to go inside, not wanting to look, not wanting to feel those things. And if you would, I'm, I'm telling you, you would experience freedom greater than what probably 90 plus percent of this planet is currently uh, going through because we, we lack that context and we lack the feeling of safety in space to go do that. So you might notice that even as you go inside and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to feeling these experiences. Uh, you know, it makes sense to me that if I start feeling my emotions, that I start programming in how worthy I am to experience everything that life has to offer, not just my feelings, but what's happening in the world and what's happening around me. And all these different kinds of things, that's really what ends up happening is you start increasing your, your feeling, more important than your thinking, of self-worth. And then you'll see like your manifestation powers start coming online because that reprogramming is there, because now you're worthy of receiving and all these things that most of us don't believe, right? Most of us, again, are trying to do the work on everybody. Oh, when they change, then I'll be great. When they're, when they're, not, when they're finally like not fucking angry all the time, then I can stop being fucking angry all the time. And it's like, uh-uh, they're not going to change. And if, and if you're waiting for that to happen, you're going to continue to be angry. So it's like it really is just getting into those subtle things. Now, what you might find is that you're going to see the protection mechanisms show up. Little parts, you're going to be like, this doesn't feel safe. Okay, but let's go do something else. We should probably watch that movie. Oh, let's go get that food. And all this stuff is just avoid its language that your protection mechanisms use as avoidance languages so that you don't have to deal with what's inside because that's the programming right now. However, it, all it takes is a, is a commitment to yourself that as emotional experiences are occurring, you say to yourself, I'm going to fully experience all these things all the way. And you have to find what motivates you to do that. For me, it was when the moment I got that my subconscious programming that's going in is I'm not worthy of feeling these emotions. I realized how massively limiting that is and how much that's going to hurt my ability to receive from the infinite universe that's all around us, from the infinite field that's all around us, that literally wants to provide you with everything, we just constantly turn a blind eye to those energies. And we don't even know we're doing that. And it's like, and it's this emotional feedback upgrade response that allows you to tap into this field and start having this relationship where you're like, oh, this is interesting. And you start watching yourself create with the field. That's a really beautiful thing. Hey, I just wanted to pause here for a second and tell you about something that I realize many of you have no idea about. So Guy and I have just released a brand new advanced training. So after hundreds of emails and questions constantly asking us, well, how do I have it all? How do I have it all? We've created the five pillars to having it all. So if any of the things we share with you here on the podcast have resonated with you, then I'd like to invite you personally to an all new training. Now you can register for the next live class by heading to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. There you'll be able to register for the next live class or if you're one of these people that I need it now, you can always just watch the latest replay on that page as well. This, by the way, my friends, is a robust, in-depth training that will help you clearly see what's currently stopping you in any area of your life, be it your health, your relationships, your finances, or simply just maybe you want to manifest that big dream. It will help you with all of that. So again, go check it out by going to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. And now back to the podcast. So is there an example that you can share with people, you know, specifically? 
<clears throat> well, why don't you tell them the story about the the quarter of a million? I think that's like, you know, hey, people love talking about money. And I think that's a really good example of like, you know, how we perceive how we want something. And yet just creating and putting it in the field and receiving it back, how much greater it can look. I, I, I was thinking more of like from interactions and relationships, because that was, you know, that's that's more about like manifestation and receiving. I'm okay. talking more about something where maybe it's like a work situation or you're around someone and you're just getting like, you, you notice that you're getting a little too, um, like you're trying too hard to make them like you or, you know, things like that. Is there anything that just comes to mind that you can like? Um, just looking at this example for an exercise or something that yeah, happened yeah. in my life? No, 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 not in this. Just yeah. So look, you know, it, chances are, as you walk through your day today, tomorrow, this week, like something, some interaction is going to happen that's going to trigger you, whether it's your late to work or, you know, some customer rep doesn't treat you the way that you think you deserve to be treated. Like Elon and I still get triggered all the time. Now, the difference is, or I say a possible difference is at, the, at different periods of the day, definitely in the morning and definitely at night, sometimes even during the middle of the day, I have scheduled into my day times to be uh, internally reflective over everything that passes through my experience during the day. This to me is as critical as eating healthy or going to the gym or spending time working on my business or investing time with my family, like as critical because the, the quality of my life, I'm super clear that the only way that I get out of the mind survival trap is by giving uh, myself the resources to view life from a different way that's outside of the mind. Okay. Because the mind has a purpose and it's a great purpose. Uh, and it's only one of the many mechanisms that are bio, biologically available to you, right? Like if we only needed the mind, then emotions wouldn't be part of our system. We would be this emotionless r- robotic type of thing. Unfortunately, many of us are programming ourselves that way. And it's not because there's not other feedback or other data to get through the body. It's that we're literally telling the body, shut up. I'm only going to use this. Right? I don't want to feel that. Shut up. Um, all that stuff. So what I do or you know, part of my practice is I, I will finish my day by actually going through my day in reverse. So I'll go through all my day backwards because A, that also helps your memory, by the way. Like just remember things in your day. But then I'll go back and be like, oh yeah, that happened. And oh yeah, that happened. Because like you kind of remember your day and it, it just helps promote like longevity for memories too. Um, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, that got me, that triggered me. I will actually recreate that experience. Even if it's not a pleasant one, because I, I, the first thing I do is I disassociate with the meaning of it. It's very difficult in the moment to disassociate meaning, right? Yeah, but like you're triggered, you're like, oh, and then like the whole system just goes into freaking panic mode and they protect your, your protector steps in and just wants to kill everything, including yourself. So then like at the end of the day, I can like kind of separate myself from that. And I look at the, the, that specific emotional response and I free myself from the mind that wants to crave or resist it in some way. So I like want to resist the event or I want more of that, right? And I look from that place. And then I just observe from that place. And it's, there's no rush here because it's not like I need to do anything to change it. The moment you have an idea like, oh, I'm going to go in there and look at it and then change it. So a lot of people will go like, start breathing into it, right? And that's fine in certain respects, except that it, if the mentality behind that breath is... I want to change that right away. That's resistance. So you're, you're keeping that in play. It's again, just your ability to uh, observe the sensation and let it have its day because it hasn't had one yet. Everything inside of you is just like you. It wants attention. It wants a voice and it wants space to be the way that it is without being made wrong.
Same thing that any of us want, right? Like going down to the micro and up to the macro, I imagine we would find truth, like some kind of universal truth in that. And that's it. And and it's like, okay, well, what does that do for you? So the way I, I have been able to observe it through like long periods of meditation, and I'm talking like 10 days silent meditation, a lot of other stuff I've done, is that when you look at any object, any situation, it's like a neuronal pathway is being fired, right? And it's firing through all your memories that are somehow associated with the thing that's currently in front of you. So when it gets to the end of that neural pathway, which is like, you know, a split second, if that, it's wanting to connect this experience to the rest of that programming, okay? And it's doing that because you're adding meaning to it. So again, if you're craving it or you're averting it, resisting it in some kind of way, then it's like, okay, boom, we're going to program that. That's something we resist. That's something we crave. If you can get to the end of that neuronal pathway without doing that, the brain goes, oh, this isn't important. And it, you're basically saying sending to this, a signal to the brain like no need to remember this or associate with this, right? Because you're not sending a signal at all. And the brain will actually go to the last thing. And if you could hold that space, it will literally start reverse coiling that neuronal pathway and actually unprogramming it because you've just told it not important. Where every other time in your life when it's happened, you've reacted, which tells the brain that's important. So, and I think that's from a scientific perspective, really the opportunity behind meditation is that it does allow for sensations to be there without the judgment of the mind. And when that happens, you start unwinding programming. So now there's space, right? Then you could say, well, here's next time that happens, here's the response, the emotional response, the mental response I like to have. Now create that within the body. You don't have to wait for circumstances to feel anything or to think anything. Notice how you are a self-contained unit. So you can now feel and think that thing and say, that's what I want. Like this is the programming and you can create some kind of affirmation and say, you know, I now give myself permission to have, to let money flow to me or to let love into my life or that I remember everything with ease, right? Like all these things you believe are just things you've repetitiously told yourself over time. So now the brain goes, Ooh, that's interesting. And it pays attention. But because you've spent so much time sending energy to this one thing, the brain keeps sending more energy there because that's what you've told it to do. So now you have this new thing and the brain's just sending like a little stream of energy to that new one. However, the more you raise awareness and the more situations you find yourself in that you're like, oh, okay, we don't do that anymore. This is how I'm going to respond. You're rerouting that energy to this part of the brain and now you're growing the associations here. And as this start, stops being needed, this gets less and less energy, shrinks, and this grows, grows, and it shrinks. And over time, that's how you become a completely different person. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, definitely helpful. And I think that's a really, really good point. Uh, the one thing that just came through to me was that the, that which is seeking that love, that acceptance, that which is either resisting or craving is a very, very young version of you. So a lot of the times, you know, one of the things that I've been practicing recently is, you know, my son's about to turn six in a week. And I imagine if he was standing next to me and said, you know, no one here loves me or no one here accepts me, right? Like things that you hear in your head all the time, like everyone thinks I'm weird or whatever it is. How would you interact if you heard a six-year-old saying that, right? Like you wouldn't be mad. You'd actually be like, oh, sweetie, like where did that even come from? Mm -hmm. We don't do that to ourselves. We get mad. We're like, why am I having this stupid thought? Or we just buy in. And we're like, yeah, I am weird. Everyone thinks I'm weird, right? And the whole time, it's this like little six-year-old who's feeling this way. And I think if you just start to realize that 
this part of you wants to be heard and wants to communicate, and it's just communicating from lack and fear, right? Then you can start to really, really focus in and upgrade these things. Um, I asked people to type in if they if they uh, wanted to share, you know, when they actually feel these experiences. So Wendy just wrote, um, I feel these waves of anxiety in my gut when I have to negotiate business stuff. I see that my anxiety will trickle over in how I interact with my family when my business stuff is up in the air. I catch it, but the edgy feeling is there and I realize I don't like that feeling. Nope, can't stop it. It's just there. So yeah, it's so beautiful. Like even in Wendy, right? What she's doing is she's just noticing the body sensation. And the body sensations, guys, are like the oldest part of the program. It's the thing that fires off first. It's the thing that triggers the emotion, then the thoughts, then your words, then your actions, all of it. And so just getting to know that body sensation gives you a massive edge in choice, right? Because like if you first sense it in the body, now you're not, you're, you've already removed the emotion and the thought from the equation, right? Because that comes later. And if you could just tune in right away. So, you know, we speak a lot about using our fear to guide us to the next thing that that's, uh, that's our next opportunity. And so for me, like, I know when my stomach kind of like dives down, almost like on a roller coaster, I know that what I'm about to do, my internal is really, really scared of. And so that's a really good signal for me to be, to pay attention, to pay close attention. Whereas before I would buy the stomach issue hook, line and sinker and be like, oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. And then what happens? Then you lack breathing, you start sweating, you start panicking, your brain gets all frazzled, all that stuff. Well, now it's just switched. I get that same body sensation and I'm like, ooh, this is going to be another really awesome growth opportunity. Mm. Right? Like I get that the system is really just like, oh boy, we don't want to do this. And I know that it's a huge opportunity for me. So because of the reprogramming, there's now excitement to see what like, you know, like a heightened sense of awareness versus letting all the program run its course, which then, you know, you're at the the whim of all this uh, chemical reaction that's happening in your body. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because, you know, we, we started this with how to reprogram your environment, uh, which was actually a sneaky way of saying, do, do the inner work. <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think everyone came here, like if you're on here and you saw that title and it hooked you, it's like, oh, good. I'll, I'm going to change them so that everything can change for me. And it's like, no, the, the, that's the that's the trick, right? You know, the, there's the Wayne Dyer quote that he made famous, which is the one you change the way you look at things. The things you look at change. I actually think more accurately, it's like when you change the way you feel about things, the things you look at change. And it's not like changing your feelings. It's honestly, it's a, it's a, it's a willingness to be with them. Because it's like we have spent decades, most of us, just making it all wrong. Boys don't cry. Girls don't do this. You know, all that bullshit. It's like, by whose standards don't boys cry? You know, by whose standards are women to be left to feel the way that they've been felt for hundreds of years, thousands of years, right? And it's like, if we want to heal ourselves, we want to heal this planet it's not going to be on the back of making how we are wrong or saying that there's a right way for a human to be and a wrong way for a human to be, which starts wars and creates borders and has all the nasty shit that happens on our planet happen. 
if you were self-accepting fully, fully self-love, you would have nothing about anybody. Mm-hmm. You would let them all be the way that they are. The things that you make other people wrong for are the things that you don't want to say to yourself that you are too. Yep. And a lot of you guys are going, well, I'm not a murderer and I'm not homeless and I'm not this. It's like, you know, given the right circumstances, guess what you would be? And if you're like, no, I wouldn't. And if you're a parent, trust me, if I came to your house with a gun and I pointed at one of your kids, you'd fucking murder me. And there you go. Now you're a murderer, right? So it's like that capacity of being human in all the infinite ways that we can show up is a possibility for every single one of us. What differs is our upbringing, experiences, circumstances, and, and at any day, any day, today, tomorrow, something could switch where you would act in a way that you would have said is completely unreasonable. Furthermore, it's amazing how watching other people act specific ways will give us permission to act the same way. Um, if you don't know what I mean, it's like when you're driving down the highway, somebody cuts you off, and then you go chasing them down the highway to tell them to go fuck themselves. You are now acting the same exact way that a split second ago you were making somebody wrong for and were like, this is apprehensible. And then you are, you know, two seconds later, you're doing the same exact thing. So it's like, we're, we're you know, accept that you're a hypocrite, <laughs> accept that you're not going to be perfect, accept that everyone's an asshole. And when you start accepting these things, the beautiful part is you can then work with them and not be like, well, I don't do that. So I don't have to work on that myself. No, you have to work on all of it because you have to accept all of it. So if someone, if you keep seeing angry people, guess who's angry? (laughs) I'm telling you because I'm still recovering from all that one, right? (laughs) And like I'm in my 11 steps of 12 steps program, I think. And then 12, it just hits you over the head over and over again. And and the point is, it's like whatever you notice out there is a reflection of the thing that you tell yourself you're not. And that's why you can't do the work. It hides it from you. It's by design to hide it from you like that. So it's like, if just notice it, what pisses you off in your environment? Do the inner work, feel that thing, and then watch it disappear from your environment. It's fucking magic, you know? And that's, and that's the best opportunity I think everyone has. It's like, well, what do I work on? Okay, what's, what's, what's getting you right now? That's what's to work on. So Tori wrote something great here. He said, I've had this exact experience with challenging my fear of heights and went from noticing the fear, making a decision that I didn't want to miss out on experiences on the other side of fear, finding challenges and a peer group I could face the challenge with. And now I'm climbing 70 foot walls and riding extreme roller coasters, loving every fearful minute of it. And even considering skydiving for the first time in my 40 year old life. So a lot of these things are just so ancient and we buy them hook, line and sinker. You know, Tori started working with us and like a lot of the stuff it's, you know, when you start questioning one thing and then questioning that one thing, you know, maybe you've done something a certain way or haven't done something a certain way. And then you experiment with that. And it kind of brings to light and question everything else. Cause you're like, well, if I question this and did that differently, and that gave me much better results, then what else could I go and attempt to look at and question and et cetera? Look guys, you're not the same person you were five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. Right. And yet you operate like that same scared six-year-old. You, every moment by moment, have an opportunity to reprogram all of it. Like even the things that you think are impossible to reprogram are reprogrammable. Your brain, there's a lot of science about the brain. 
neuroplasticity, your brain can be completely rewired till the day you die. There's no age. There's nothing. It doesn't stop. If you're committed to making that kind of leap and growth in your life, then you can absolutely do it. You know, even to something like fear of heights, which is, it's huge. You know, it's, it's, and, and Tori just commented again. He said, the fear feels the same as excitement in the body. It has just been a shift in perspective, right? And look, that's not, it wasn't easy. He didn't do it overnight. He didn't need some magical pill or cookie or whatever. And it happened. He's doing the work. He's just disconnected the sensation from all the stuff that gets added to it. Right. As soon as you used to feel that in the body, everything else would come. All the anxiety and the fear around heights, this and that. Now it's just another sensation in the body. And because of it, he's been able to, to do incredible things. Yeah, I'd also offer like, you know, he, he got into a situation where he's like, there's got to be a new paradigm here. There's got to be a new archetype I could operate from when that fear is available. So he took a new archetype. He started taking small actions consistent with what that threshold for that archetype was, right, in terms of what he was willing to do. And then started building these new sensations in his body, new programming in the mind, and slowly over time it works up. And it's like, it's not like that programming is not there, right? Like, Tori, like, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, I'm sure you get up on the wall and it's still freaking the fuck out. You know, there's, there's parts of you that's like, this is too much, this is too high. And you've probably built the capacity to have courage in the face of that and, and just, like, talk to it and be like, everything's fine. We're perfectly safe. We've done this before. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but a year or two from now, I mean, God only knows, right? And, and it's interesting because stuff like that, you know, heights is a really obvious thing for people that makes choices for people. Like I'm afraid of heights and I can't do this experience. I'm, a, I'm afraid of this. I can't do that experience. But people do that with their weight. They do that with their finances. They do that with how much love they have in their life. They do that with their confidence. They do that with their leadership abilities. You do it with all over the place. And these things have you trapped. You think that you've like found something about your the way that you are. You haven't found anything about the way that you are. What you've discovered is programming that you put into play before you were conscious of even putting program into play. Yeah. And then you're saying like, this is who I am. No, it's not. That's programming you're running. That's not who you are. So, you know, when people are like, I can't go out, I'm overweight. The weight is making the choice for you. Then you're not living. You're not present. You're not the one saying I'm sourcing what's happening in my life. There's weight you put on yourself because of some decisions you made along the way about who you are and what that means for you. Um, you know, people put on weight for all sorts of reasons, right? It's a manifestation of how they feel within uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, we all have this opportunity to like give up that there's some way that we are. Yes, there's an identity in place. And that's really where the work is, is like how much can you be aware around your identity? Because your identity is this like angry little fish that's trying to eat all the time, you know, and you're just putting bait on the water so that other fish come and play with your fish so you can eat them. And that's just what happens. And we are literally chemically addicted to these sensations within our body. And there's really as far as I've been able to find in 15 years of doing education and plant medicine work and deep meditation practices and working with energy practitioners and the million things that I've tried in my life, I can tell you the one thing that is really uprooting on a day-to-day practice is going in and observing my sensations more than anything else. Yeah. And, and just so, so we're clear, cause you wrote fear is still most certainly there. 
I've just learned to push through the immobilizing effect of it. So, you know, and what, one of the pillars, and I think Guy dropped um, the links if you guys want to watch the replays, one of the pillars is a lot of times we see coaches telling people that, you know, you're going to conquer your fear. And I think that's a misnomer. Conquering your fear to me is like you're going to vanquish fear and you're never going to have fear again. I think that's impossible. I've never met a human being that doesn't have fear. Guys that pull off the most insane tricks, um, these extreme athletes, they're fucking terrified. And they do it anyway. Because on that ride is where they get the juice. On that ride is where they get that feeling and the new confidence and all that stuff. So it's not about becoming fearless. It's how we, one of the pillars is just fear less, right? When, when fear doesn't have a paralyzing grip on you where you can be with fear and still take action, that's where your life is going to take an entirely different trajectory. You know, like I've jumped out of a plane now five times, okay? I know what's coming. I know how exhilarating it is. I know all of it. The second they open that door, I'm shitting my pants. And I've done it. I know it's safe. Like every time that door opens and you feel the wind kind of start sucking you out and they're like, get to the edge. I don't care how brave you are. It still scares the fuck out of you. Right. And, you know, it's, it's not like the first time you, there's no even idea of what to expect. Right. So it's just like all this fear. And then three seconds in, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, so now maybe that's a little bit gone and everything inside of you, like your brain is freaking out. Mm. Cause it's like, why are we throwing ourselves out of a perfectly good plane? You know, <laughs> this feels very unsafe. So, um, it, look, you guys want mega results in your life. You want amazing relationships. Guess what? To be in an amazing relationship, you got to get through some fear, right? Cause you're, every one of your hearts was broken at some point. That's a guarantee. That is a human experience, right? Whether it was at 12 or 17 or 27 or 37, your heart got shattered. At least that's the way you explain it, right? And then getting back in that love game and putting your heart fully out there, knowing that that's a really good possibility, that it's going to get clobbered again, right? There's fear involved in that. Trying to start a new business where, you know, you invested in one and it blew up in your face and I don't know, you, you lost everything. Fear, terrifying. If every time something happened in your life, you made it mean like this is it and this is how it always goes, then guess what? You get to experience very little of life. The best relationships are the ones that you're willing to take the most risk for. You know, like, remember the first time you said, I love you to that person? And you're like, should I? Shouldn't I? If I say this, you know, maybe it's too soon. Maybe they'll respond weird. I said, I love you to my wife two weeks after I met her. And I had nothing about it. And you know why? Because I wasn't expecting her to say it back. I wasn't saying it for her to say it back. And in fact, I started by telling her, like, I want to say something to you. And I don't need you to respond in any sort of way. Like, 
It just is there for me to say, right? Without worrying about what, how she would react or wouldn't react. Was all that stuff there? Yeah, it was fucking there. And it was more important for me to communicate what there was there for me to communicate. So whatever you guys are up to in life, you want mega, fast, unbelievably incredible results. You're going to have to find that thing that scares the shit out of you Mm. and just bypass all the nonsense that's being spat out in your head. Realize that it's just a body sensation. The rest you're making it mean and just take that little baby action. And every time you do that, you're just reprogramming yourself. With that said, everybody, we love you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second, but when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime, and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love. Promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. Bye.